Hello, it's 24th November 2016 and this is episode 8 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So Kirsty, how's your week in Star Wars been? Uh, it's been pretty uneventful really, I've just been reading more of Catalyst. So, How are you getting on with it? Is it good? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm not like completely into it in the way that I have been with other Star Wars books like Bloodline and yes. Lost Stars, but I am enjoying it and I'm definitely going to have it finished by the time I see the movie. So it'll yeah. be a good setup for that. How about you? Oh yeah, exciting thing that happened to me this week was that I booked my Rogue One tickets. It's, it's really, I feel a bit bad because here in the UK we can book our tickets, but right. People in the North America. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if all listeners know. I I live in America, so I'm very jealous right now that Rachel has her tickets and I don't. <laughs> I, I will um, keep the full nature of my tickets in suspense for later. <laughs> talk properly about the Rogue One tickets going on sale. Yeah. Um. But yes, if I say that's that was probably the most Star Warsy thing that just happened to me this week. Yeah, I don't think we we don't think we even know when the tickets are going on sale in america i don't think it's even been announced so that's a bit annoying but yeah i think it's all like rumors and whispers yeah. and lies and <laughs> certainty it's all very unclear I, I have no idea why they're being so cloak and dagger about it it's like it's like guys the film is obviously coming out you don't need to dilly dally <laughs> about putting the tickets on sale they are on sale in europe <laughs> everything in star wars is a guessing game so <laughs> Yeah, they're keeping even the release dates and mystery boxes. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, on a Catalyst note, actually, I did um, pick it up in my local Waterstones and I sat down. And <laughs> this is really bad because I need to have more patience. But I like read the first two pages and it's like, meh. <laughs> I yeah. know that's really mean. I'm sure that it gets better as it goes along. But, you know, some books you can pick them up and you're like grabbed from the beginning. I felt like that of Bloodline. Bloodline was amazing, but with Catalyst, I was a bit like, mm. yeah. I think you know every writer is going to have their own style, and yeah. these are brand new characters. Yeah. So, exactly. like with with Bloodline, of course you want to read more about Leia. Yeah, you know, that's someone we're already attached to. No, definitely, it makes a lot of sense. Right? Are we ready to move into news? Yeah. Okay, let's do this. The first story is that Kathleen Kennedy, in an interview with EW, she has been talking about the future of Star Wars, which is obviously relevant to our interests. <laughs> and this is what Kathleen Kennedy said when asked what will happen to Star Wars after Episode Nine comes out in 2019. That's the conversation going on right now, too. I have to honestly tell you, could we? Sure. But I don't know. We are looking at all of that. There are possible movies that we've been talking about a lot, but we're planning to sit down in January since we will have had The Force Awakens released, now Rogue One, and we've finished shooting Episode 8. We have enough information where we can step back a little and say, what are we doing? What do we feel is exciting? And what are some of the things we want to explore? Um, this is obviously from a much longer article. Um, the main other thing of interest that it mentions is that at celebration in 2015 there was meant to be a reveal of a boba fett standalone movie with josh trank as the director but <laughs> obviously josh trank did not go on to direct a star wars film mm. and that project did not happen so it was heavily rumored that trank was going to do a boba fett film 
but it was only rumours. And this EW article is essentially like the highest level confirmation we've had yet that yes, that was a thing and they even prepared footage for it. Um, so yeah, those were the main takeaways from that article. Um, did you read it, Kirsty? What did you think? Yeah, I did. I think I've seen this article throw people into a bit of a panic because mm. uh, there's the question of whether there would be another trilogy or whether they're going to um, put an end to the, the Skywalker saga. Yes. Um, but I think... She's just thing saying that after a couple of the films, you know, under the Disney head have come out, mm. they're going to take a step back and review and see where they are and how things are doing. You know, yes. there is a lot of pressure on Rogue One, as we've talked about, and they want to see how it performs and whether those standalone films really do have a future. Mm. Um, I am skeptical as to whether they would they would ever really say, no, we're not going to do any more trilogies or at least movies in the skywalker saga yeah because that's like a guaranteed money maker <laughs> yeah you know with, with the mass audience like uh, standalones i'm sure would be very popular with people who are already invested in star wars yeah um but i i can't say them saying goodbye to the skywalkers what do you think i definitely don't think that's going to happen um i mean i think they could have like a 10-year break or something like that yeah just to kind of build up the interest again i think that will would have to of necessity be what happens um like for the most mundane reason, it would be because I'm pretty sure that Daisy, John, Adam, so on and so forth, all of those actors, they're going to be contracted for the three films, so seven, eight, and nine. But I'd be very, very surprised they're contracted for anything beyond that. Yeah. So, and being realistic, I strongly doubt they'd be willing to come back for in 2021 for Star Wars Episode Ten they are naturally going to want to go off and do other things with their careers. Yeah. So if they want to continue that main saga story and presumably have some of the same characters in it for continuity, because we love those characters and we're attached to them, then they would naturally need to take a break from the saga films. So it's kind of an inevitable question of how do you fill that gap between the end of this saga and the start of the next one? So I think that's the real question. I, I don't think there's any doubt that there will be another continuation of the saga uh, following on from episode nine. It's just that it's very unlikely to come out two years after episode nine does. Yeah, because otherwise it doesn't really feel like a trilogy, does it? Like you're going to have yeah. a definitive... It's get, This story, um, episode seven to nine, is going to be self-contained, even mm -hmm. if you do then expand it after that. Yes. So the her hero's journeys would have come full cycle. Yeah. Um. So you do need to have that break. And because it's a generational saga, mm. presumably someone will have had children by that time. Yes. If, if we're looking ahead to the next trilogy. Um, so then you need to cast new people for that and then figure out whether you're going to have the older cast back for smaller parts or, you know, there's going to be all sorts of things to figure out. So they are just going to need time. Yeah. Um, Pablo Hidalgo has said that they, they're planning content 10 years out, but I'm sure the next trilogy is very penciled in it's not going to be like set in stone at this stage at all yeah no exactly because so much of it will depend on like real world concerns like which actors are going to even want to come back at all right because that was one of the factors that very much dictated what episode seven was going to look like because they obviously had ideas for what they could do if harrison said he didn't want to come back or mark said he didn't want to come back or carrie said she didn't want to come back so it would have been a different film if any one of those actors had said, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. um, 
than what we got. So I'm very happy they all agreed, but I definitely think it's going to be different for the younger actors, especially because they're all going to be like at their prime in terms of their careers in 2019 because they're all shooting stars if you look at what their projects are. It's like Adam has Silence and um, Patterson coming out Mm -hmm. this year. Um, Daisy has all sorts on her plate. It's unclear how much of it is actually going to film because a lot of it is like stuff that's more in the pre-production phase. It's unclear if it's going to get financing and so on. Um, but I know she's doing Murder on the Orient Express soon with Johnny yeah. Depp and a whole galaxy of stars, <laughs> um, <laughs> as you could say. Um, and then John, he's doing the Pacific Rim, Rim sequel. Yeah. So they are in no, no way short of work. And I'm pretty sure that situation is going to continue. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I know I would definitely want to see more saga films because, oh definitely like i am excited for rogue one i want to see that but i'm not as infused about it as i am about the, any of the saga films if that makes sense yeah people have a real attachment to the skywalkers and and not to say like people won't be attached to finn if he's not a skywalker or, yeah. or whatever like it's not how it works but there's something about this family and the events that cloud around them that mm. it, it's just you know it's decades in the making that yeah. I don't see them throwing it away. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like mythology, essentially. Right. It's cinematic mythology. And you can't just kill that or forget that it happened. It, it yeah. will always have to be part of the fabric of this universe. Mm-hmm. It's actually really funny. I was watching um, Collider Movie Talk. And um, like as a hypothetical question, they asked, if in December, so ne- next month, you could go out to the cinema and see Rogue One like knowing all about it like from the pre-release publicity and so on or you could go and see episode eight knowing nothing about it which film would you go and see Uh, and i found it a ridiculous question because to me i like i didn't even pause before saying episode eight oh i would be that i'd be in the same boat yeah exactly it's not a question as far as i'm concerned well, for us, but I think I've I've seen some people say they are more excited about Rogue One. Yeah, I have seen some, but that's the thing. That's what's interesting about Collider Movie Talk because they have a live chat on YouTube and they have like thousands of live viewers who are, are just like regular movie pundits. They're not like hardcore nerds or like super, super knowledgeable about these kinds of things. And just in the chat window, all of the people listening were also like giving their opinions about which film they'd rather see. And I think 98% of people <laughs> said episode eight. Right. Which I found interesting because like, don't get me wrong. Like you say, there are people who have come out and said, I am more interested in Rogue One. And that's awesome. That's really good. But I do really feel the general interest lies in the saga films yeah not say it's, it's not it won't it's not, be successful but like it's not the main event basically yeah and it's also just natural to be invested in the story that we're already part way through mm. you know we're all desperate to find out what happens next yes. whereas for one we've said before we kind of already know how it's going to end so yes the execution might be fantastic and i'm excited to see how they do but it's not like you're kept in suspense as to where yeah. things are going no it's true it's like the saga films they're like episodes of a really compelling tv series yeah um, and you just and like each one ends on this amazing cliffhanger and you have to tune in next week 
Or two years later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tune in two years later. <laughs> um, it's like there's this show called The Missing on the BBC right now. And it's incredible. It's so suspenseful and gripping. But um, yeah, like it g- gives me like almost like a Star Wars feeling. Nothing like Star Wars at all. It's horribly dark and depressing. But like in terms of that sense of like being gripped and like being obsessed with what's going to come in the next installment. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's something that the saga films can offer that the standalones can't, I don't think. And that's not to say that the standalone films are worse for that. It just means they're different. Yeah. Do you know what kills me? Mm-hmm. We were going to have episode eight in May. I know. Oh, <laughs> that that really is like stabbing the heart. Like, it think, is. Think if it were to come out in May, we would all definitely have already had promotion by this point. Yeah. This is the thing, like, um, I don't know where Ryan's in the editing process, of course, <laughs> but I wonder if things like got pushed back because they had that later date or they just kept the original schedule and it's like the film was just going to be ready. And, you know, because presumably he has other projects he needs to get onto. Mm. I don't actually know, but I would assume so. Like, I don't but... think he has anything officially announced. Oh, okay. Um, So, like, I'm sure there are other things like sizzling away. But equally, I'm pretty sure that working on a Star Wars film, it can easily take up all those years. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, he could just stay editing it for ages, but he might go insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd be like the ultimate perfectionist. I'm like, no, Ryan, you need to leave it alone now. <laughs> um, we'll get uh, we'll get a bit later to what Ryan seems to be doing with his free time. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's having lots of fun. Yeah, he is having lots and lots of fun. He's got a great toy box to play with now. Um <laughs> Right, shall we move on? Yeah. Okay, cool. The next story is that Rogue One is tracking for an 140 million North American debut. And we have this from The Hollywood Reporter. Standalone film Rogue One, a Star Wars story, (laughs) one of the biggest box office curiosities of the year, is projected to open to 130 million plus in North America over the December 16th to 18th weekend, which would mark the second biggest December opening of all time behind last year's Star Wars The Force Awakens. The movie came on track in Tuesday morning, with one service suggesting it could even approach 150 million. Conversely, another service has opened in uh, in the high 120 million range, underscoring what a guessing game tracking can be. So, Kirsty, what did you think about these figures? Good? Well, yeah, it's good news, isn't it? Mm, I definitely. mean, if if they pan out, I mean, we want it to be a success. Yes. And it has to be a success financially, not just critically in terms of them continuing with these. So, yeah, things crossed. Yeah, no, definitely. I think this is a fantastic figure. If it comes anywhere close to $150 million, I'd expect Disney to be jumping for joy, or at least they should be. Because mm. obviously The Force Awakens earned a lot more when it came out last year, but naturally it earned a lot more because it has this massive like build-up towards it and 10 years of people anticipating this film and this continuation mm-hmm. of the saga films. Um, so Rogue One, it can never have that again because it doesn't have like that long absence and absence makes the heart grow fonder and all that. Um, But yeah, like to have that, like a projection in that range is really encouraging. And I think it's also great, like to like present to the naysayers to say, Oh, we like having a female lead isn't going to put people off. Like blah, blah, blah. People aren't interested in this film, blah, blah, blah. Like that is clearly evidently not the case. Cause as far as I understand it, the tracking figures, they 
figure those out by looking at social media impressions right and things like that like so they gorge the level of interest that they see online and then they use that and translate it into ching ching (laughs) (laughs) cash registers clicking shall we say um so yeah I think it's really encouraging and it clearly shows that there is a lot of interest in this movie, despite my um, rather pessimistic <laughs> um, summary of the um, attitude towards Rogue One earlier. So sorry, Rogue One, people do love you and want to watch you. Yeah, I think it's just because we're comparing it to The Force Awakens, right? So it's yeah. always going to be, and I think Episode Eight might be this way too. It's not going to make as much money as the first Star Wars film in 10 years. Yeah. I just, you know, it's not even about the quality there. It's just people were so much more invested in seeing the first one yeah um i mean that that was also true of empire strikes back right it wasn't as commercially successful yes exactly um there's always like a dip in the middle it's the same with attack of the clones yeah i obviously that was different because attack of the clones came off the back of a movie that had a rather negative reputation shall we say yeah Um, but yeah there is just historically always a dip in the middle so i don't think that should surprise anyone yeah i'm interested to see what kind of reviews we're going to get and whether that will make a difference overall to whether people choose to go and see it because it wouldn't for me like even if a bad review came out i'm still going to go and see it but i'm not the general audience so yeah no exactly i do think that will um obviously affect the uh, the box office so if you look at films like batman v superman for example, that film could have done much, much better than it did. But obviously, word got out that it wasn't very good. So yeah, I, I didn't bother going to see that. Because, no, nor did I. <laughs> but I wasn't invested, so. Yeah, no same. Like, I, like nothing against comic movies, comic book movies especially. They just don't particularly appeal to me, and that's okay. Um, yeah, I've seen a few of the Marvel movies, and they all just kind of blur together for me. Like, they're entertaining while I'm watching them. Yeah. But I don't seek them out for repeat viewings or anything yeah no that's exactly how i feel um like i've never felt any desire to go back and watch a marvel film twice and it's not because they're bad movies it's just because they're the kind of films that i don't think really warrant like repeated viewings yeah i'm sure it'd have been different if i was at eight when they came out i'd probably be like watching over and over and over again on repeats it'd be the most incredible thing i've ever seen but yeah, just now it doesn't appeal to my tastes in the same way. Yeah, I'm the same. But obviously we're not the majority of people because those films are really successful. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're the weird ones. Yeah, no, we're definitely the exception to the rule there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, and that, one last thing I'd like to say about the box office is that it's also particularly impressive for December because I think in the article elsewhere beyond the bit i read out it mentions that the highest december opening prior to force awakens was like in the mid 80 million range so yeah so obviously what force awakens did in comparison to that was incredible and what rogue one has the potential to do based on this in comparison to the standard for december which historically isn't the biggest box office month like it's really impressive yeah i'm interested to see if they keep the release dates to you know one star wars movie a year and it's always in december mm. or whatever because you know they were going to have episode eight in uh, may and i think episode nine is still scheduled for may 2019 yeah but i wonder if they're going to move it now yeah it, it's really strange i'm pretty sure the Han solo movie is also scheduled for may may 2018 mm. um so 
they're clearly quite interested in that May slot, but so far they haven't been able to commit to it <laughs> ever. Because they they also have Marvel and like things like Pirates of the Caribbean as well, right? So yeah. they don't want to compete with themselves. Yeah, no. So I think that was a big part of the motive behind moving episode eight. It was now that Force Awakens has come out and done this massive business, December has basically become Star Wars month. Yeah. That is the month in which to release a Star Wars movie. So I think like moving episode eight to then, I don't think it's anything to do with when the film will be finished. I'm pretty sure the film is on track to be finished for a May twenty seventeen release. Which is obviously very That's just painful. torture. I know, it's so painful. It's like Okay, who wants to break into the vault? <laughs> Obviously not going to happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the concept of a final or near final version of Episode 8 exists in somewhere now. I wonder if that makes it more likely that spoilers would come out before the film is released. Mm. I mean, I know we haven't got a huge amount at this point, but I wonder if that will change next year. Yeah, I'd think so, because there are going to be lots of people who need to see it for various reasons. And I'm sure for like publicity and marketing purposes, it is really useful to have what is approaching a final cut to actually show people and mm-hmm. say, okay, this is the product. Help us sell this to people. Yeah, for like the more people who see it, the greater chance there is that we're going to be hearing something quite juicy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um <laughs> But yeah, like obviously with Force Awakens, that was very different. They were editing right up until just before the premiere. So like, I think it was like sound mixing rather than actual full-blown editing. But basically, well, didn't they? Mm-hmm. JJ said that he did those reshoots, um, like the bit in the forest with mm-hmm. Kylo and Rey staring at each other. Um, <laughs> that was quite close to the end as well, wasn't it? Yeah. No, they and that's become done. that's I, a major I, part of the movie at this point. Yeah. No, exactly. I think he said he did a lot of that at Bad Robot. Um, yeah. Like, I'm not sure where Bad Robot's based, but it's presumably in America somewhere. Um, so, yeah, like, it was all done relatively last minute. And they presumably had quite different iterations of the film at various points, which also shows in the kind of spoiler reports people are getting. Mm. Because if you look at some of the spoilers, they bear very little relation to the final film that is Force Awakens. But they were actually based on truth. They were based on things that were filmed or things that were scripted. So people clearly were getting access to information about the film. It was just information that ended up being irrelevant. Yeah. I've seen people use the fact that those spoilers never came to fruition as evidence that the people in the know don't really know what they're talking about. (laughs) It's like they can't know what's going to end up on the cutting room floor and what's going to be in the final film. That's not how it works. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's not like their source is going to be the editor of the film. (laughs) It's not going to be like the editor, like having Jason Ward from Mike and Star Wars on speed dial. (laughs) Oh, hi, Jason. Just want to let you know, we cut um, the scene with Unkar and Ray today. So (laughs) feel free to mention that. Bye. Love you. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it is. Oh my goodness. Um, right. So then, the next story we have is that Rogue One tickets have gone in sale in Europe. So there isn't any fancy spiel to read out here because this is just a self-evident fact. I have my Rogue One tickets. Woo! <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really exciting because. I feel really mean though because this is just going to feel like I'm gloating and I feel really no, we'll get them it's just a case of when <laughs> can you imagine if you didn't <laughs> yeah they're just not going to release it here it's just going to be in Europe <laughs> that'd be hilarious but really <laughs> cool um, yeah so I think I've mentioned before that I saw Force Awakens at the Science Museum 
And actually, last week, I think I erroneously mentioned it as saying that I'd seen it in 2D IMAX, but not 70mm. And that's wrong, because what I saw at the Science Museum was the 70mm print of The Force Awakens. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, Force Awakens, 70mm, 2D IMAX, way to see it. Amazing. It's awesome. Go and do it. Um, and basically, the exciting thing about Rogue One is that I'm seeing Rogue One there. <laughs> Yay! So, yay! So, I'm going to see it in beautiful, pristine, big quality. So, that's very exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the best possible way to see it. So, I'm excited for you. Oh, thank you. Um, do you have, like, any big, like, cinemas near you? Yes. So, I live in Seattle and mm-hmm. uh, we have the Cinerama here. So, that's 70mm as well. And oh, actually, nice. <clears throat> I went last night to see Fantastic Beasts for the second time and it, I saw it there. And, and for the first week, they are showing it in 70 Oh, how nice. Wow. Yeah, it, it was beautiful. Oh, so. that's so cool. Yeah, no, it's incre- amazing what a difference. What a difference the fortnight makes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, go there. <laughs> I, yeah, that's awesome that you saw Fantastic Beasts again. I've seen it twice too. Yeah, I've, I really needed it because everything that's been going on in America right now has just been depressing me. Oh. Uh, and that film is just so wonderful it's yeah, yeah no, full of hope and I, I loveliness love i find it so nice it's like really whimsical and just charming and lovely and so like hopeful and optimistic about humanity like old yes which i love yeah um, exactly i was actually listening to one of my favorite podcasts the um slash film cast which is one of my absolute favorite podcasts they're great and i was a bit heartbroken because two of the main guys on there whose opinions like they're normally pretty close to mine they hated it and they oh. went on like these long rants about how like awful it was and how empty and shallow and incoherent oh. and it's like you can't be talking about this film it's so nice and lovely and it makes my heart feel warm yeah everyone has their own opinion obviously but that yeah i don't know what to think about that because <laughs> i it made me feel warm inside watching that film yeah same I was but. kind of like, have you no souls? <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, like you say, it's just people have different opinions. But I find that's what I like. I find that fascinating about film, actually, the way that people can watch the same thing and these wildly different impressions and takes on it. Happens I think that's Star Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Force Awakens has been like something of a Rorschach test for its audience. <laughs> I feel like everyone saw something different in the characters and the story and where it's going to go. And I just find that fascinating. Yeah. No, it is really interesting. One of the best things about film is proof that film is art. Mm-hmm. Right. So we are going to continue on to our next story, which is that Michael Giacchino has spoken about composing for Rogue One. And this is a really long interview in EW, um, but I'm just going to read a few choice excerpts. And <laughs> the first one is about Michael saying what went down with previous composer Alexandra Desplat. Michael, I'll tell you, I actually don't know an awful lot about that. The filmmakers were like, do you want to know what happened? And my response was, you know what, when this is all over, we can sit and talk and have a drink and you can tell me whatever you want. I'd love to hear the story. But for right now, I feel like I'd rather just pretend nothing happened and everything is good. And I'm just going to come on to this. And they were like, fair enough, fair enough. So honestly, I don't know anything about it other than what was purportedly, you know, schedule issues. Wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, those famous <laughs> schedule issues. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't buy that for a second. Um, and then the next quote 
is Michael talking on his impressions of Rogue One. It's a film that is in many ways a really great World War II movie, and I love that about it. But it also has this huge, huge heart at the centre of it, and that was the one thing I just didn't want to discount. Yes, it's an action movie, and it's a Star Wars film, and it has all the things that you would come to expect and love about that. But I didn't want to forget that it was also an incredibly emotional movie as well. That was what really pulled me in. I love working on projects that have an emotional centre to them, and not manufactured emotion either, even though, you know, it's a weird thing to say, because li- that's literally all we're doing, manufacturing emotion. And this interview is much, much longer than those two excerpts. And it's actually really interesting. I recommend reading it. It's surprisingly candied, to be honest. It's probably the most candied thing I've seen about Rogue One anywhere, which Mm. is quite surprising because EW is almost like party political broadcast for the stars. Tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah, like, Bresnikin is in there. Like, he is in their pocket. They bless him. Like, he seems like a lovely guy and he does a great job on reporting on all this. But he is obviously the reporter that Lucasfilm go to if they want to break any kind of Star Wars story. Or desperately want to reel something back in after JJ's (laughs) blunder about Ray's parents. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh no, no. I talked to him about it. It's fine. Here's his retraction. Like, yeah. Okay. He's basically Lucasfilm PR at this point. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Um. But yeah. Did you read the interview, Kirsty? I haven't managed to read the whole thing yet, but I'm definitely going to because these responses are really interesting. Yeah. Um. And I I am very happy to hear that Rogue One does have a big emotional heart because I know some people are really excited about the idea of there being this like badass war movie. You know, it's set in the Star Wars universe but completely different. But what I love about Star Wars is its emotional heart. Yes. Um, that's that's what I watch it for. So I yeah. know that's not true for everyone, but I personally am pleased to hear that. Yeah. No, I find that really interesting. And but like you, I like Star Wars for the emotion and the characters and the heart of it. So like the whole like prospect of a Star Wars film that's just like a war movie with like very little suggestion, like the emotion that will be going on there. That didn't appeal to me much. It didn't do much for me. I uh, do wonder if that's something that they directly address with the reshoots and if that's really the reason behind the switching composers and like they had to change the score to reflect that change in the emotional tone. I think I did read that part of the reshoots was to like make you care more about these characters. Right. Like I, I had the impression that there might have been problems like empathizing with them and like tracking their motives and that kind of thing. Okay. So I can definitely see that being something that they had to tackle when they went back to the film. And like you say, if that is something they changed in a big way through the reshoots, that would naturally explain why the composers changed. Um, Because from what Michael alludes to (laughs) with what happened with Alexandra Desplat, it doesn't sound like a very, um, cordial divorce shall we say but it sounds really awkward it does sound incredibly awkward yeah it's like oh <laughs> it's like cringe yeah um, it would be really difficult actually wouldn't it if you'd compose a score for a film that you were told like they shot the film that was what they supposedly wanted yeah and then the disney execs came in and said can you give it more heart and yeah. that meant that your work was then discounted like that would be quite brutal if that's what happened I think it's very likely that something like that happened. So he probably composed a score on the understanding that Rogue One was going to be one kind of film. Then they went back, they made it quite a different kind of film. And then I can only guess they went back to Desplat and said, hey, change the movie. Want to change the music? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he was like, 
no. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, call Giacchino, get him in. That must be really difficult. And then, is it true that Giacchino had like four weeks? <laughs> yes, he did. That's insane. That is absolute insanity. I will honestly be so impressed with the score if he's pulled it off. Like, that's just yeah. incredible. If he's done anything even passable, to be honest, in four weeks, that's amazing. Has that's he like- slept? Yeah, that's like the equivalent of like being a kid and you have like a four-page report to write on the book you've, you're meant to have read and then you don't even pick up the book until you're on the bus on the way to school <laughs> on the day you need to hand in the report. You yeah. know, like that is how ludicrous that situation is. Wow. Um, but yeah, Michael is a real hero coming in at the stage with four weeks left to write it. Um and I must say, I am really pleased they're not trying to hide how like rushed and last minute this has been, because they can't really be at this point. Yeah, they they really no. can't. You know, like they even needed to keep him from doing any publicity at all. So like, stay completely silent, or they would just need to be okay. Yeah, you've got to admit that this was a bit of a cluster. <clears throat> yeah, but he's probably doing it in the the best way he can because, you know, he does if if he as asked not to know the details and to be fair he probably he probably didn't want to know because yeah. he just needs to come in and do the job yes it doesn't it doesn't really matter what happened with the previous composer he needs to do a great job and that's that's what counts um so yeah people probably read into all, all sorts of things here and that's what we're doing too but <laughs> it's just the nature of the beast yeah no exactly um very interesting comments nonetheless um and then the final Rogue One thing we have is quite a few more TV spots. Um, there's been so many of these, I haven't even tried to cover all of the ones that have come out. A lot of them are, they really don't add much. They're just recycling footage we've already seen elsewhere. So I basically highlighted two particular TV spots that seem like the most interesting ones. And then thought we could just talk about them a little. So the first one is Contact, which is about Jin and her father. And... Yeah, like there's obviously not much to it because these are all 30 second TV spots and they don't have much room to convey story or anything like that. But I did really like this because there's lots of new footage of Galen and Jin, like when Jin is a child. Yeah. And like showing that father daughter bond, which I, I really appreciated. It was really sweet. And you really got the impression watching it that, yeah, this is a man who really deeply loves his daughter and he'd do anything to protect her. Yeah, I feel this is the emotional heart I think he's referring to. Yeah. Um, and reading Catalyst, this is obviously coming through for me a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really love this spot. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to cry in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, have you been able to latch on to, like, that emotional aspect of it from reading Catalyst? Like, have you got to bits of baby Jen and stuff? Um, at the moment I'm reading it, she's still a baby in that, you know... She, they're they're talking about her and how much they love her and everything and but it's more about galen and lyra as opposed to Jin at this yeah. point no but, that's natural i know she yeah. becomes older later on in the book so I expect you're going to get more of yeah a i almost feel like this yeah i almost feel like these spots and rogue one itself is like a spoiler for catalyst rather than the other way around because i'm reading <laughs> it and i'm like wait i haven't got to that point yet i haven't <laughs> stopped seen it. the <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting it is going to be interesting to see like how much Rogue One like overlaps of Catalyst because I think I remember Mads mentioning that you see Jin at four in the film. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that 
like Jin is that age in Catalyst as well, or if not, or she might even be older than that. So that just does like screwy things to my mind. It's like, how does this all piece together? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that they're doing that. Um, and then you know, like ninety five percent of the audience aren't going to read that book anyway. So it's it's like a way to pad out the story, but you know, from the family. But um, with these flashbacks and seeing Baby Jin in the movie, they're still going to have that emotional component. So yeah. Exactly, which is cool. Um, right, then the next TV spot is called Gin and Cassian, which is quite on the nose because it's running <laughs> about Gin and Cassian. Um, and yeah, I, I really like this one. It's probably my favourite of all the TV spots. Um, apart from Contact, actually. So I, I do like Baby Gin and Galen hugging. That's really sweet. Um, but yeah, I like this one. It gave me a good sense of both the characters. And like, I also saw like a little bit of hint at a little bit of a hint at romance i must say yeah. i really do think they're leading us down that path did you get that as well i did i mean i'm always wary of seeing that stuff in the trailers and then assuming that's how it'll actually go in the movie because i think some people maybe did that with the force awakens yeah um, but this is a standalone movie it's not like a trilogy where you'll have twists and turns so if they're doing an understated romance or whatever it's going to end up being this is when you're going to see it yeah um, so I wonder if that that was part of the reshoots as well, like bringing that relationship more to the forefront. I like it's so hard. I sound like a conspiracy first, but I did get like a, a sense of newness about those interactions. Yeah, Cassian, if that makes sense. Because well, like, there are certain clips that they're showing now of them like talking about that people always leave her and stuff like that. We had never seen them before. I think that's yeah. new stuff. Yeah, no, I I definitely think so as well. And like you say, that would make a lot of sense if they had gone back to add more of like an emotional anchor to the film and yeah. make you care more about these people. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm happy about it because that's the stuff I love. So. Yeah, no, exactly. And I hate to say it, but like having two characters who have feelings for each other, that is a good way to automatically create empathy and mm-hmm. get the audience engaged in their plight and care about them. Yeah. Because you care about them because the characters care about each other. Um. Yeah, I know some people don't care about romance and Star Wars, and that's fine. But I like you. It's a, it's a good way to bring in that emotional heart. It's not the only way. It's also about family and friendship. But yeah, I I like seeing those those stories. Yeah, no, definitely, it's really cool. Um. Oh yeah, and one more thing about that particular trailer is it brought back the this rebellion in it. <laughs> I rebel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a bit cheesy. I I really thought that line had gone. <laughs> oh, you were hoping that it would be cut out of the yeah, movie. Yeah, like see, oh. I think it was from the first trailer, or if not the first, the second. So I really thought that it had been dead because it'd been a long time since we've seen that trailer. Um, that line <laughs> rear its head. But, right. Nope, definitely still in there. It, if, it, if it's not in there and they're still using it in the publicity, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they are very. I think we have to accept that Star Wars has a healthy dose of cheese in it. Yeah, no, you exactly. know, like, it, it's a bit cringy, but there was there was some lines in the Force Awakens that were a bit cheesy too. So yeah, that's true. I remember, like, I think it was the first main theatrical trailer for Force Awakens, and I remember hearing Daisy's line readings and thinking, oh, she sounds a bit amateur. I don't like that. No. <laughs> like, oh, what lines were those? Um, um, I think it's like about I'm no one stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm no one. Yeah. Th- those kinds of lines. Like mm-hmm. I think just because they were completely taken out of context. Yeah, like it doesn't never works as well. So I'm sure when I hear I rebel, 
in the film, in context, it will sound much, much better. It's just isolated. It it just is a bit of a tease fest, but yeah, it's not going to kill me. Yeah, it's the way things are edited a lot of the time because you don't hear the rest of the conversation that's going on. It's just this one line that is probably made to sound far more important than it actually is. Yeah, exactly. You might not even like notice it's said in the film. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and I did also notice that Ira Bell was a different take again. <laughs> oh, really? I, I am yeah. just not as nowhere near as observant as you because I never pick up on that sort of stuff. Like, I, I, I don't know why. Like, I'm just really good at <laughs> Like, no seen different takes of life. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again. Cause, so is it as cheesy or is it different somehow? Um, I think it sounded a bit less forced in the new okay. trailer. Like, it was in the first one, I think it was worse. It was a bit more like, I rebel. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that bad, but yeah, it, they, they've improved it. It got better. Okay. Well, I wonder which one's going to end up in the final film then. <laughs> I would I would hazard a guess at this one. Because the maybe. other one, or maybe there's another one that we still haven't seen. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> I, I think it's like the whole Chewie were home line. People yeah. got really attached to how Harrison delivered that line in the trailer, and then in the film they just use a different take, mm-hmm. and people were like, "Oh my god, use a different take! How do you?" Like, it's really interesting how trailers build people's expectations up, and I expect oh, yeah. that's something they have to be really conscious of for Rogue One, because. With the first trailer, that was before any of the reshoot drama. So they were presumably advertising a quite a different film at that point. So, yeah, it'll People... be very interesting to look back at that trailer after we've seen the film and think what was in that trailer that is not in the film anymore. Yeah. I think people have to keep in mind that trailers are marketing. They're not canon or the story itself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've seen people when they're talking about like the story for the sequel trilogy, they're still using stuff that's from the trailers as mm. an argument or some kind of evidence when it's not in the film itself, yes. which doesn't really work anymore. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> um, it's like that whole line, I think, from the Star Celebration trailer where it's Luke's doing the voiceover and he says, um, my father had it, my sister have it, had it, you have that power too. And so on and so forth. And lots of people use that as evidence for uh, Ray, Ray Skywalker. Yeah. Um, but it's like, guys, they're not going to convey that through a trailer. Like, that is all about, like, ramping up excitement and teasing people. It's not about revealing the innermost secrets of the saga films. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just it's just promotional. Like, people shouldn't get so attached. I know they do. Mm-hmm. And... I, I just wasn't paying that much attention before The Force Awakens came out, so I it just wasn't in my head in the same way, but I can yeah. understand why it does to some people. Yeah. No, I, I do think it's a natural impulse to latch onto those things, especially when you're working in a void and there's not much other information. Yeah. I, I'm sure I ordered the same for episode eight, so that'll be <laughs> yes. fun. I think we're going to go hyper-analytical the moment footage comes out. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um Right, and then to move on, we have another blast from the past because we have a bit about Force Awakens casting. So basically, this is actually about a panel that Jessica Henwick, who ended up play- playing Jess Parva in The Force Awakens, it's from a panel she did back in, back in September, but it's essentially only come to light and attracted a lot of discussion recently. So I thought it would be worth discussing because... Um, Basically, this poor girl, she can't say anything, but people keep on asking her Star Wars questions and like essentially asking her to reveal like who Ray's parents are. And Jessica says quite a few interesting things. 
and I'll just summarise them or quote her. So the first thing is she's asked, do you know anything about Star Wars Episode Eight? And Jessica says, I know things and I don't know things. I know I can't talk about the things I do know, and I probably can't talk about the things that I don't know either. <laughs> then the next question is, so about Episode Eight, do you think Rey is Luke's daughter? And then Jessica says, I know who I think Rey is related to, but I'm not going to say because I'm pretty sure that I'm right and I don't want to get sued. Because the thing is, that's the role I originally auditioned for. And so I got really far with that. And I found a lot out, out a lot about the character. So I'm pretty sure I know. Sorry, guys, secret stays with me. And then one other part that I didn't include in the notes but is interesting. So later on, she's asked again <laughs> about who Rey's parents are. And one of the audience members mentions about thinking that Luke as Ray's father would be a silly idea and Jessica says oh no I don't think that either I think it's way too obvious like clearly like suggesting that whatever her strong hunch as to Ray's parentage is it does evidently preclude Ray Skywalker because she doesn't think that could be the case so yeah I, I find these comments really interesting and it's also a very old chestnut the question of Ray's parentage it's one of the biggest hot topics in stars fandom mm-hmm. but i thought this would be like a good excuse to discuss it and have a little chat about jessica and what her, also what her being in contention for ray means in terms of the character's parentage um so yeah what did you think about this kirsty uh i mean she can't i i think that people read a lot of stuff into these kind of answers um mm-hmm. it doesn't clearly point to anything for me because i already don't think that ray is related to luke Han and Leia. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it you know it makes it clear, even though we already knew she was up for the part, that they really weren't looking for someone who necessarily looked like those characters. Yeah. I know that Daisy does, so people, you know, put that into the theory. But I think it's a lot more open-ended than people think, and it's just it it might be something that comes out in the story itself, like that her parentage relates to the actual plot of this trilogy. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I found this really quite interesting. Um, I think we've heard like rumours about Jessica being like one of the like runner-ups for Ray, so I haven't got really far. But this interview is the first time I've seen it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So I think it was on the now this is podcasting, like they were talking about it once a long time ago, and they mentioned Jessica Henwick is having got the part of Jess Parva because she didn't get the part of Ray, so it's like a consolation prize basically. Mm. Um, so yeah, I found that interesting just to get that confirmed because if Jessica Henwick is saying it, then obviously she was one of the finalists, right. um, which is interesting. Um, and also there's the question of Jessica being half Asian right. and obviously <laughs> you and I, we in no way believe that Ray is a solo like at this point. And I'm pretty sure that we both agree that the force awakens itself eliminates Ray solo as a possibility but ray solo has been very stubborn like as a theory and you do still find people clinging to that i understand um, why people cling to it even though the film itself doesn't really go that way because a dynamic between siblings makes much more sense narratively than between cousins yeah especially so, cousins who didn't grow up together yeah no definitely there, there are good reasons why people latch onto that and why they really want it to happen and it's also a question of people really really like and care about Han and Leia right. so they want them to have a good child so yeah. it's natural and empathetic and I can understand that completely um, but yeah like 
unfortunately, because of how Hollywood is, I just don't think it's realistic to believe that a half Asian actress would be one of the finalists for the part of Frey if they were looking to cast the daughter of Han and Leia. Yeah, I don't think it's just not. <laughs> you you no. see it go the other way around. So I think in Aloha, they they cast Emma Stone as a woman of like Hawaiian descent or something equally awful. Mm. <laughs> like yeah, it happens far too often that way. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like Emma Watson. She no, sorry, Emma Stone. <laughs> she's a really great actress, and I really like her. But she's whitest of the white. Yeah. <laughs> she should not be playing anyone of like ethnic minority descent it's just no it doesn't really work um and yeah so i just don't see like ray being envisaged as ray solo like definitely not um because i have seen arguments from people where they've basically said that oh it's just a smoke screen that they had this open cast and call open to all ethnicities but the only girls they took seriously for it the only ones who made it to become finalists for the part of ray they were all white brunettes because in the assumption that they were looking for someone who could play Hanley's daughter and like Jessica haven't got as far as she did it just indicates that that's really not likely to be the case exactly like she's telling the truth here and she was I don't know if she was the second place I don't know how it works but she was strongly considered and it just wouldn't have been the case if they were looking for someone categorically to play Hanley's daughter yeah and you know even with Luke's daughter I just don't I just don't see it going that way um yeah but I guess we'll see. Like, yeah. In terms of who she, she says she thinks Ray is related to, it's interesting how she phrased it like that because it's not just about who she's not related to. Mm. It's that she actually thinks that she learned something to about her parentage or lineage in some way. What do yeah. you think about that? Yeah, no, I found that really interesting. Um, later on in the comments that I didn't transcribe, she does. Um, she makes it clear that no one explicitly said to her, "Ray is the daughter of X." Mm. Like And as she says in the part I did transcribe, she says, I found out a lot about the character. So evidently she learned some things about Ray and the kind of person this character is that caused her to form a strong hunch as to what her lineage might be. And it's also interesting because Jessica, she plays very coy about whether she's involved in episode eight at all. And she strongly indicates that she knows things about episode eight as well. And it's likely that she's like still friends with some of the people involved and so on and so forth. So you don't know what she's heard. But like all of these things combined, they do make me pretty... They, they give me a strong feeling that like if anyone has a good guess, I think Jessica's guess would be very good indeed. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's interesting and relevant because she clearly... Like the fact that she was in... A, auditioning for Ray in itself precludes Ray Solo and her opinion of Ray Skywalker would also seem to discount that. Like as far as Jessica's concerned from what she knows, obviously a lot of things might have changed. She's it's not like she's in the editing room next to Ryan Johnson, like intimately aware of all the developments going on with the backstory and so on. But I think she's clearly she clearly knows more than we do, let's put it that way. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm just hesitant to take all this stuff to on board. And I've seen, you know, I've said so many times that I think, oh, this must be the end of Ray Solo. And it still persists as a theory. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think anything's going to douse that apart from the story itself. So. Yeah, no, exactly. I think it would take some pretty, 
like final evidence, shall we say, to eliminate that as a possibility. But yeah, yeah. it's fine. I, and I think all this theorizing is fine and fun as long as people step back and remember it's just a movie. Right, to move on, I'm sorry to disappoint anyone, but we are actually skipping our spotlight this week and we're probably also going to have to skip questions. Um, this isn't because we don't love you. It's, <laughs> it's because it's Thanksgiving and yeah. basically people have real life commitments. And sorry, I have to go and eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, and they have nice turkey meals to eat. So <laughs> I would not deprive Kirsty of that. So this is likely to be our last segment for today. Um but yeah, basically, Ryan Johnson has been having fun trolling people on Instagram because <laughs> he posted this bizarre collage of these very weird elements. Um, like, there's all kinds of stuff. I didn't really understand what I was looking at until some people explained elements of it. Like, there's an image of John Gotti, who's apparently like a crime boss in the top corner. Mm. Um, there's an image from uh, Where is Luke Skywalker poster just beneath that. Um, then you have like words like Zila and Priority Male. <laughs> and perhaps most conversation inspiring, the acronym TSF. And it's very difficult with this because Ryan just posted it without like explaining anything to do with what it was. So he's clearly just having fun with people like poking the nest and so on. I would fun. totally be doing this if I was in his situation. <laughs> it's so easy with Star Wars fans just to troll them. Yeah, no, exactly. Like he's clearly just having lots of fun with this. Um, but yeah, I, I do find it interesting because this is something that is obviously being comp- created deliberately in a computer. It is not something that Ryan Johnson stumbled across on a wall in real life. <laughs> it's something that either he or his PA or whatever assembled in Photoshop because you can just see all the digital filters. It's obvious. Um, so, yeah, I suppose my question to you, Kirsty, is do you think this is completely trolling or do you think there's anything in here of substance? Like I've seen look, quite a few people suggest that TSF might be the initials for the name of episode eight. For example, uh, it might be, but I'm, I'm, if it is, mm-hmm. wouldn't um, T stand for the? And we already had the Force Awakens, mm. so I would, I would, I was kind of anticipating something completely different. Mm. So I'm hesitant to commit to that idea. Um, I mean, I think it, it's, I think it's a blend of trolling because that's easy to do and funny. Yes, and um, some of them will be hints at things but i am really hesitant to look into it and spend time figuring it out like other people <laughs> obviously have and if they want to have fun like that that's fine obviously yeah yeah I, i'm gonna go all like da vinci code with this right so there's that picture of luke and that's one of steel wars like where is luke skywalker thing because that's obviously a big question for episode eight what's been going on with luke yes um and then chosen one obviously that relates to mm. um yeah i mean do you have any strong ideas about what it could be <laughs> No, I really don't. I don't know what it means. Um, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure no one knows what it means. And yeah, it probably people... means nothing. <laughs> um, I have seen some people suggest that Zila is like a reference to Zelot, like mm. referring to Kylo Ren. And one of the more imaginative theories I saw suggested that this is a pictorial representation of the Skywalker family tree, um, which, like I say, is quite imaginative. I think it's complete nonsense. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, like it is fun. It's people theorizing and running with things, which is cool. I don't know how, but some people seem to think that this was proof that a trailer was coming or something like that. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, I think we kind of got our hopes up because we saw the front page to EW and it was oh, like yeah. the future okay. of Star Wars Episode 8 and beyond. So, oh my God, oh my God, it didn't even reference Episode 8 in the article. They just knew that that's what would get people <laughs> paying attention. Yeah. And it worked. It really did work. Yeah. Uh, they're so baiting us. Um, I really, oh man, like I just want a trailer, Ryan. <laughs> I kind of feel it's a bit cruel to be doing this if there's nothing real coming. So, like, I do think there is some kind of hint or tease in there. Um, but yeah, like, I, I'm really not sure what it is. Um, I've heard some funny suggestions as to what TSF might mean. Someone suggested it was the Skywalker family. <laughs> Well, it, it could be, but I just... It could be, but it would just be so... It could be all sorts of things. Like... I, if you think about the last titles of the middle film, it's been like The Empire Strikes Back, Attack of the Clones. They're very like action-orientated. They are yeah. parties in the galaxy doing stuff. So Star Wars Episode Eight: The Skywalker Family just does not work, I don't think. It would no. be like having Star Wars Episode Eight: The Waltons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to be a title, but I was just thinking it it could be what it symbolises in this. I don't, I don't know, but I just... I'm really boring. I just don't care to look into it too much. You could, <laughs> no, drive, your, you could drive yourself crazy during this. And I'm sure, I'm sure people many are. people have, yes. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some people say that, oh, maybe we'll get a trailer as we go to watch Rogue One. Mm. But I, I just don't see them promoting it that early. Yeah. For us, you know, we've been tracking everything obsessively. And to us, it's like, oh, come on, just give us something already. But it's, it's a year away. Yeah. You know, people don't, I suppose they announced title and stuff for the force awakens but again that was a special case yeah and there wasn't any film in between at that point. yeah exactly but, so it's a very very different situation i know star wars news net they said recently that the jury's out on whether there will be an episode 8 trailer with rogue one but i'd be very surprised if there is to be honest because it would yeah. steal its thunder yeah, so i'm not hoping for it yeah if I, if I saw a trailer for episode 8 before seeing rogue one I would just be thinking about episode eight as I was watching Rogue One. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you, that's what I would be doing. So yeah. I, I, or I'd be tempted to doing. leave the theatre and then go online and see what everyone else was saying about it. That's how <laughs> obsessed I am with episode eight. <laughs> to be fair, in that scenario, I'm pretty sure it would break online before we saw it in the cinema. True. So you would be able to like calm yourself and talk to others <laughs> about it first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I think we just need to be grown ups about episode eight trailers and accept it's not going to happen soon, and accept that Ryan's been a big meanie. <laughs> I don't blame him because he gets a ton of questioning and <laughs> demands to know what's going to happen in the story on on social media, and it's just ridiculous. Like, leave yeah. him alone, do his job. That's not appropriate. Yeah, no, totally, it's ridiculous. And oh my goodness, I'm just looking. He only has twenty five thousand followers. That's oh, really? actually really a really low number i'm surprised by that hmm. yeah sorry that's completely irrelevant <laughs> no like he doesn't pablo have more than that um i think he has like thirty thousand on twitter really oh wow I think so could be wrong let me just quickly check for you have to run let's see how much a superstar pablo is <laughs> okay Pablo, yeah, Pablo has. <laughs> that's so funny. He's Pablo bigger has, deal than Brian Johnson. <laughs> Pablo has thirty-two thousand followers. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So he can like totally like claim cred over Ryan. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. Um, 
Right, I think you have to go now, Kirsty, don't I you? I do. Oh. Sorry, guys. Have to go and eat Thanksgiving dinner. So. Don't worry. We'll try and have an extra big question time next week to make up for it. And yeah. we'll also have returned the spotlight section. So apologies to anyone who's disappointed. We wanted to get an episode out anyway, just so that you had some content from us. Yeah, and there's there's so much news every week that if we left it, we'd have too much to cover next week. So Yeah. No, exactly. It would become a bit ridiculous. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions for us, please send them to scavengershoard at gmail.com. I'll also include the email address in the comments below. And just quickly while we're here, I'd also like to thank everyone who's reviewed us on iTunes so far. Um, I know some of the names we've had review us have been Lexi8158, Lady De Purple, and Natural Blue 26 you're all amazing. We really appreciate it. It does help us so much getting those iTunes comments. So thank you. We're yeah, grateful. It's really lovely just to see what people are thinking of the show. Yeah. Like, I, I still can't believe that people actually listen to us. Like, it's, that's <laughs> odd to me that people would actually elect to listen to our rambles. But thank you, everyone who does. We really yeah. appreciate it. No, exactly. We really do appreciate it. And if you want to help us out, please do review us on iTunes because it's just a massive help to us. Um, I'm Rachel, and you can find me on Star Wars Nonsense at Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter if people want to come and say hello there. Right, so I think we're done for this week. Thank you very much, and we will deliver our next episode next week. Thank you, bye! Thanks, bye! <laughs>